0: Hello, my name is Vance Need, and welcome to episode 15 of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called the Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed, and we'll take the conversation a little bit further. Now recently, we've been in a series on some non-dispensational perspectives, mainly that of covenant theology, and that's exactly where we're going to continue today. So, let's do this thing. So on today's episode, we'll be taking a look at some Bible interpretation or hermeneutics from a covenant theology perspective, and we're going to focus on the doctrine of salvation. Now, this obviously isn't going to be exhaustive. We're not going to go through every single topic that we would maybe differ on, although we did do some of that in a previous podcast looking at dispensational distinctives. So check that out if you have time. But in the sake of time, we want to make sure that we focus and can actually maybe complete the series before, I don't know, Jesus comes back. So in order to set the groundwork for what we're going to look at today, we need to review the definition from a covenant theologian perspective of the covenant of grace. Now, in order to do this, we're going to go ahead and quote O.T. Alice. We've quoted him before, but we're going to use this quote again because it's really succinct. It helps us to understand what the covenant of grace is from their perspective. So, Otiala says this, This covenant is first set forth cryptically in the words of the Proto-Evangel, or Genesis 3.15, which promised Eve ultimate triumph over the enemy of her race. In this covenant, the emphasis is on faith. This is made clear in the wonderful words that are said of Abram, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness, to which Paul appeals to show that Abraham was justified by faith and not the works of the law. So, according to covenant theology, this covenant of grace is instituted after the covenant of works and is in place from immediately after Adam's fall until now. So, with that understanding, let's go ahead and take a look at the doctrine of grace as R.C. Sproul, a famous covenant theologian, expresses it. Now, this is, there's a lot going on here in this quote, and that's good, but we're going to read it in its entirety and then take the rest of the episode to break it down and compare scripture to scripture to see where we end up. Here's the quote. There are professing Christians today who believe that there is a fundamental difference in how God saved people in the Old Testament and how people are saved now or after the New Testament. That, despite Paul's laboring the point in the third, fourth, and fifth chapter of Romans using Abraham as his illustration— That salvation was accomplished in the Old Testament by grace, just as it is in the New Testament. And that Abraham was justified not by the works of the law, but by faith in the promised Messiah. The difference is the difference between promise and fulfillment. The people in the Old Testament looked to the future promised Redeemer, put their trust in Him, and they were justified by faith in Him we look backward to the work that has been accomplished by the Savior. We put our trust in him, and salvation is basically the same now as it was then. Now, if I was a superhero named Spider-Man, well, then my spider sense would be tingling because something ain't quite right. So there's a lot to break down here. Let's do it systematically. And most importantly, let's actually compare it with scripture. Let's see what it says. And In order to do this, let's actually start by taking a look at Romans. This is where scroll is saying that this is coming from. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, maybe 5. Let's go. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that work is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, if we had only heard part of Sproul's argument, we probably would have agreed with him. Abraham is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in God. Now, the question here is that we know Abraham believed God, but what did he believe God for? And we can't know that unless we go back to hear a little bit more about the original story in Genesis chapter 15. So let's read the passage that Romans, so the author Paul and Sproul essentially is referring to. Genesis 15, 1 through 6 says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he, this is Abraham, believed in the Lord. And he, this is the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. So here we see very clearly exactly what Abraham is believing God for. God tells Abraham that he is going to have a natural born heir and that he will be the father of many nations. And Abraham believes God. He takes God at his word. So if we take a look now back at Romans chapter four, let's just finish it out because of course, scripture is always going to agree with scripture. So Romans chapter four, verses 18 through 22 says this. Speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Again, we just saw that in Genesis chapter 15. Verse 19 says this, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So after reading those verses, there are two things that we should realize. And the first is that Abraham is dope. This dude is a boss, and there's a reason why he is so esteemed in Scripture. But the second thing is this. Abraham did not believe on the name Jesus Christ and in his atoning death in order to obtain his salvation. And the reason why is because the words don't say that thing. Now, something else that will be of particular interest is if we just finish reading chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Let's go ahead and do that now. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Here's the deal, guys. In these few verses, it makes a contrast, a contrast in what it is that Abraham was believing for and what it is that we are believing for. Abraham was believing in the promise of a son and being a father of many nations, and that belief meant that God accounted that faith in God's Word To Abraham for righteousness. We are believing on Jesus Christ's atoning death, his burial, his resurrection for our sins, and then God accounts that to us for righteousness. It's super important to remember to keep all of the Bible in context. And Ephesians 2, 89 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace through faith is always how God saves people, but how God dispenses that grace is different based on the dispensation. Abraham didn't believe in Jesus Christ, and yet his faith was accounted for righteousness. I don't have any misguided thoughts that I'm going to be the father of many nations. At least, I hope not. Like, that's too many kids. My wife would kill me. But I did believe in Jesus Christ for my salvation, and God accounted that to me for righteousness. You know, because we made a Spider-Man reference earlier, which, by the way, is I think the first official nerd reference that we've made here in this podcast. And I'm a huge dork, so I don't know how that happened. But, uh, but yeah, that's the first one. But anyways, I'm reminded of the movie Spider-Man like the original Spider-Man that came out 20 years ago, starring Tobey Maguire as the second best Spider-Man in not the third best Spider-Man movie, but we'll get into that later. But anyways, I remember the scene in which Peter Parker turns into Spider-Man. He gets bit by the radioactive spider. He wakes up and he puts on his glasses, but his glasses are all blurry. He can't see anything. He takes them off and he sees just fine. I think that covenant theology in a lot of ways is like those glasses that Peter Parker is putting on when he does that, it actually allows him to see less clearly. And as always, when we're talking about these things, I want to make a clear point that I'm not being critical of individuals, but these individuals themselves in explaining covenant theology have said, oh yeah, it's cryptic. It's not really clear. It's kind of implied. I don't have anything against O'Tialis or R.C. Sproul or anyone who would subscribe to covenant theology. I just don't want to wear Peter Parker's old glasses if I can see just clearly without them, because I'm Spider-Man. So as always, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus. If you have questions about the Living Faith Bible Institute, feel free to visit lfbi.org where you can find out all of the information about who we are and what we're about. Also, you'll want to know that enrollment for summer classes is now open. And so if you have some free time this summer and you want to learn your Bible better, again, visit lfbi.org to see what classes are currently available. I hope that today's episode has been helpful in some way. And remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Take care.